Welcome to another book on the shelf podcast. I'm Jet. And I'm Jen. And for episode 64, we have an author interview. Yeah, so we're here today with Tiffany DeBartolo. Uh, did I say that correctly? Pretty close. De- I usually say DeBartolo, but DeBartolo? Really, um, people who, who know Italian say DeBartolo, which I actually prefer, even though that's not how anyone in my family says it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there we go. (laughs) Um, But she is a novelist, a record label owner, and a filmmaker. And today we're going to be discussing her latest novel, Sorrow, and just talking to her a little bit about writing and art and all those good things. Uh, So welcome to the podcast. Uh, Do you want to kind of give us a little bit about about your background? Uh, We read somewhere how, you know, where you grew up, it kind of influenced a lot of your creativity and things like that. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I grew up not too, too far from where you guys are in a small town in Ohio um, called Youngstown, which I often say it was a town so bad that Bruce Springsteen wrote a song about because he did. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, it was like sort of a dying steel town when I was young and um, there wasn't a lot to do there if you didn't like high school football games and drinking, which I didn't. Um, so I didn't, I didn't start drinking till I was 35. So that's another story. But, um, <laughs> uh, so I, I was sort of a weird kid. I just sat in my room and listened to music and I read books and those were the things that were really important to me. And, um, I moved away, um, to go to college when I was 17, I went to Berkeley in California and, I never went back. So um, I graduated with a degree in philosophy and I moved to um, Los Angeles after I graduated thinking I wanted to be in the film business. And I made a film and I didn't really like working in Hollywood. So I started writing novels. And then I randomly got involved in the music business after being a full-time novelist for about 10 years. And so now I write novels and run a record label and um i'm really tired and busy all the time (laughs) (laughs) that does sound like a lot (laughs) to be going to be getting on with i'm trying Um, i'm trying to knit i'm trying to sort of like um one of the things i feel like COVID has been great for is like really showing you um how you want to structure your life going forward into some new normal and so i feel like i've really learned a lot in the last year about like scaling back yeah Definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's good. <laughs> I love that you went to that you went to Berkeley. That was always one of my like dream goal universities that obviously have never I happened. Loved but it so much. I loved it so much. And it was funny because I actually really wanted to go to Stanford and I got rejected from Stanford and ended up at Berkeley and I'm so thankful that I did because a, I loved it, and it was an amazing school, but I also met my husband there, so <laughs> it, it came in handy for a lot of things. <laughs> amazing. <It> works out. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit more about your record label? I think that's such a cool other yeah. thing that you started doing, and like, how did that, how did that come about from going from being a novelist <laughs> to deciding to yeah. start a record it was- label? It was kind of ridiculous, honestly. And like I said, I grew up as just a passionate, passionate music fan. I have no actual musical ability. Um, I don't play any instruments. I don't sing. Um, I don't write music, but um, I love music. And um, maybe, I guess it was probably about 12 years ago, I was sitting around with a friend um, who's a record producer, and we were kind of lamenting 
how crappy a lot of music on the radio was. <laughs> and he had had about two bottles of wine at this point. And he was like, you know what we should do? We should start our own label. And I was like, that sounds cool. And I thought um, it would be something that sort of um, I could do just on the side. Um, you know, I'd be writing most of my days and then just this little hobby on the side, running a record label. And of course it just, if, if anyone who's ever run a business knows, it kind of takes over your life. And so um, it took me many years to sort of figure out how to do both. I didn't write, I didn't write a novel for almost a decade um, because I was just so busy with the label. But then I got to the point where I just, like my soul was just dying from not writing. Um, <laughs> and so I really had to figure out how to do both. And and I eventually did, and so that's when Sorrow was born. Amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I was actually totally going to ask you if you played an instrument, because the music part comes through so strongly in Sorrow that I thought maybe you did, but... <laughs> oh, I just have some close friends and and people I work with that are such genius musicians and guitar players that I used them for um, all of their knowledge and picked their brains and... Um, yeah, they were, they were very helpful and taught me so much about guitars. Yeah, that's awesome. This is sort of like how we always, our dream is just to like have all these different side hustles and like do the podcast yeah. and we, you know, we're both writers and then we both want to like have all these other little things. So this is just, you know, inspirational. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, and like, meanwhile, it's inspirational to you. And for me, I'm just like, I gotta stop something. <laughs> I feel like I'm always just collecting new hobbies, so. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I just started taking pottery classes, oh, and so now I'm just like, oh, I just want to, all I want to do is make pots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just took um, a little perfume 101 online seminar about, like, mixing your own perfumes, and now I'm like, what if I just got all of these perfume things together and started making perfume? <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I just recently, this might be a ridiculous tangent, but I just, a couple weeks ago, I got back from a 12-day vision quest in the Arizona desert, um, and one of the things that like I came home with was just this desire to be creative all the time, and so I just can't stop myself from like drawing and taking the pottery classes and cooking meals that like look like art, and you know, I feel like October a little bit. I was just going to say, that sounds exactly <laughs> like October in the book. Yeah. That's, that's totally how she's living her life, of like her life as art, which I thought was really, really awesome. I loved that. And that's Thank very you. much, I think, where we all are after this past year. Like, I went into 2020 being like, okay, this is the year I'm going to get back into photography. It's the year I'm going to get back into film. And now it's been a year. <laughs> right? Well, that was something that was really interesting, too, is like when we went into lockdown, which was exactly, for me, it was exactly a year ago this week. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking like, oh, you know, we'll probably be out of the office for three or four months and I'll start a new book and I'm going to be so creative. And that did not happen. I just couldn't focus for like the first nine months of the pandemic. I just like my creativity was just um locked up somewhere absolutely but the uh the vision quest really helped that so it sounds amazing yeah. nice so had you already written sorrow before this 
before the pandemic started or were, was it in? Yes. 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 Okay. It, it, I, I finished it probably a year and a half before. And okay. you know, cause there's always a process of mm-hmm. editing, working with my agent and editor, and then, you know, getting, getting all the, uh, the stuff, you know, the cover and all that kind of stuff ready to go and publisher stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it was finished a good year and a half before it finally hit the, hit the shelves. Well, that's something that's good at least. Yes. <laughs> uh, before we dive a little bit further into writing, I do have to ask about your film. I, my degree is in film studies and I've always been drawn to film. So could you kind of give us a little, a little sprinkling of that? Sure. So I made this film. This is kind of a funny story. So I said earlier that I met my husband in college, but what I didn't say is that we met junior year, first day of junior year and he walked into this classroom where I was already sitting and I literally heard this voice in my head say, you're going to marry that guy. Mm-hmm. But um, for four years, I could not get him to go out on a date with me, um, <laughs> two of which we were still in Berkeley. And then the other two, um, he had moved to Boulder, Colorado to go to grad school and I had moved to L.A., um, hoping to get into the film business. And, but I was still like just madly in love with him. And I had this feeling that he was like my destiny and that I was going to write this film and someday he was going to see it and just be like, Oh my God, she was the one that got away. (laughs) Um, And so I wrote this film and I sent it around to a bunch of production companies and it just so happened that one of them really liked it and they were a small company and had and were looking for a a movie that you know wasn't going to cost a zillion dollars to make and so they picked up the script and we ended up making the film and um and then like maybe two months after we like just about finished editing it my now husband like sent me an email and was like oh how are you I was just thinking about you and I just broke up with my girlfriend I forgot to add that part that the reason why he wouldn't go out with me is because he had a girlfriend Um, and uh and so we started dating and then he was like so you allegedly made this film um do I ever get to see it and then I was like oh no okay there's something I really need to tell you about it before I show it to you and he's like, what? And I was like, it's kind of about you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was my foray into filmmaking. Um, and it's just a really, uh, it was a love letter to him, hoping hoping to get his attention. And that was 30 years ago, and we're still together. Wow, that's, that's just, it, like, I just love that art and creativity, like, can bring stuff like that together. It's so amazing. Yes. <laughs> Which to dive into the writing and into sorrow, that is what brings our two main characters together is sort of this shared idea about art. Um, so I, I basically just want to know, like, ask you sort of like, how, how did sorrow first, like, come to you as an idea? Like, did you go into it? wanting to say something specific about art and life because it comes through so well and so strongly in the book or did it start sort of it was something more nebulous than that yeah it was definitely more nebulous than that because the idea for the book like sort of like the 
the tiny little seed that blossomed mm-hmm. into sorrow was inspired by um, a song by the band The National. Do you know Ugh, The National? I love The National. <laughs> okay, I love The National too. They're my third favorite band in the whole world <laughs> of all time. And, um, and I, you know, I was out hiking one day and I was listening to their music and a song came on that I had heard. You know, it's been it's a record that's been out for a decade and I or almost a decade anyway, and I'd heard it hundreds of times, but this particular day, the song is called Pink Rabbits, mm. and this particular day, there was a line in it that just hit me and and just like sort of birthed this, this whole scene in my head, and the line is, um, somebody said you disappeared in a crowd, I didn't understand then, I don't understand now, and I, I had this whole scene about these two characters um, standing at the Greek theater in Berkeley watching this band, and then one of the characters just walks away. And I was so curious about that. I was like, okay, where did he go? Why did he leave? And um, that was actually one of the first scenes that I started writing in the book. And as you know, it comes way later in the story. But um, that was kind of where the story was born. And then... Um, you know, it was it was quite a while before I figured out who Joe was and um, what he wanted. And then the sort of the themes kind of just grew from from that, you know, from from learning who these people were and spending a lot of time with them. And then um, and then just kind of figuring that out from there. Amazing. Um, I also really loved uh, all the stuff about trees and like the redwoods and oh, Joe's yeah. relationship with trees. That was that was great. I also love trees. I love. I'm interested in everything, basically. <laughs> but, yeah. Like that was just so. There was something so particularly like touching and moving about that. That well, yeah, I was just curious. Was, yeah, about... yeah. It was interesting about that is that I was I I had been writing the book for a couple months and I felt like I hadn't gotten a real handle on Joe yet. And I was sitting in this cafe, the cafe that actually I mentioned in the book, Equator Cafe, which is down the street from my house. Um, And I spent a lot of time working in that cafe um, when I was writing the book. And a friend came in one day and was like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm I'm working on a book. I'm kind of struggling with this character. And he was telling me about this book that he had just finished reading about redwood trees. And he was raving about it so much that I was just like, well, I have to read this book. It sounds amazing. And I, I ordered the book and I started reading it. And as soon as, and it was really a story about people who were very passionate about redwood trees trying to find the tallest redwood in Northern California. And they were on this quest to find the tallest tree. And something about reading the book, I connected it to Joe right away. And that just kind of like sent his character in this completely different direction that opened him up for me in a way where I felt like when I was standing in his shoes, I just really understood him and, um, and, and could just kind of like see the world the way he saw the world. And, I, I, it felt so magical to me, you know, it was, it was almost like the trees were just like, we want to be in your book too. <laughs> Cause I walk, you know, I walk those trails that he walks almost every day. So, um, I loved the trees, but I didn't know the trees as well as I do now. Thanks to him. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's how, like, I always, you know, 
years ago when I was writing, I would struggle with trying to like make it some sort of like a structured process, but it's not. So it is about like reading that other book or going to that random place. And I mean, you know, Jen and I used to work together in a gallery, so we always have notes on receipt paper everywhere. (laughs) And where you just like be hit with this idea because then all of a sudden the character would make sense or the setting would make sense, even though it's something completely different, but it just speaks to you. Yeah, it's just that's like one of the magical things that I love about writing is that sometimes you don't really know where it comes from or why, you know, why did my friend walk into the cafe that day and start raving about that book, but it just felt like so synchronistic to um, what I was doing. And um, I just love when that happens. Yeah, there's something really magical about that moment where like you're struggling with something with your writing and then something happens or comes to you where it all sort of clicks into place and then you're like, ah, oh, here it is. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons why I don't outline books before I start writing them. And, you know, a lot of people kind of, a lot of writers that are plot driven sort of kind of balk at that, but um, it takes the fun out of it for me to know what's going to happen. And I'll tell you another crazy story is without, I I can't really give too much information because it would be a big spoiler alert. But (laughs) if I say to you like the first big plot point in the book um, where um, someone walks into the kitchen (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, and that scene I didn't know who was going to walk into that kitchen until Joe saw him and that (laughs) I know I know because it really like was like something that turned the story and opened it up in ways I did not see coming I mean I knew that that relationship was going to come back somehow but I didn't know how and so um so that was another moment where I was just like, oh, my God, like this, that was so magical. Like, I here I am just minding my own business, writing down what Joe's doing. And all of a sudden, the whole story goes upside down. And that was that was a fantastic moment. So I think that comes through then the surprise of it, that it was a surprise to you as well, because like it it totally caught me off guard (laughs) I was like whoa I know me too me too but then it also made sense at the same time so I was just I it was great yeah it was a funny thing like when my agent read because my agent also gets on my used to get on my case about not outlining books and when he read the book he actually had he finally said to me you know if you would have sent me an an outline that listed that plot point, I would have said to you, that will never work. And somehow you made that work. And I'm glad that I didn't know it was coming. (laughs) I was like, thank you. (laughs) That has absolutely been my biggest struggle. Writing is that like, you have to follow the three act structure. You have to do this. You have to plan out. You have to like, know your characters, know your backgrounds. There was a time where I was always printing out all these sheets of like, how to keep track of things and like how to all this stuff. But it was just, everything was forced. Like I could get stuff yeah. in there and like find characters and stuff, but it was so forced. And I just, everything always ended up stopping. So like all of those stories are, <laughs> I'm looking at my pile of notebooks right now, are still <laughs> sitting there. And it's been, you know, a million years. But, you know, last summer, my friend and I were just doing little quick 10 minute, like three word prompt writing stuff. And it came so easy because I was just letting it be whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then it's turned into this like sort of short story series type something because I just, oh, I, love that. I just That's let it beautiful. be what it was. 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for like the organic nature of creativity. Um, and, you know, I get to that, you know, some people do write really plot driven stories and, and they have to really think things through and plan them out. But I like to think of my work as being much more character driven. So for me, it's really just, you know, really getting into their shoes and trying to feel what they feel when they're looking at the world and then I'm writing about it and then getting to discover all of that interesting moving stuff along the way. Do you have, um, and as I said, like, we're both uh, writers, Jen, far more than I, um, <laughs> but on the podcast, we do talk a lot about writing routines and process. Do you have a writing routine, especially now that we're all just sitting at home doing our thing? When I am actually working on a book, I do have a pretty um, strict routine. I'm not, I'm, I'm marinating a book right now, but I'm not um, actually writing it yet, so um, so I'm not writing at the moment, but when I am writing, I get up super, super early. And when I say super early, like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, and we'll generally like have some coffee, do a little bit of writing just to wake up while I'm drinking my coffee. And then I'll go for a run and then I'll come back and, um, and I'll work until I, you know, can't see straight. Um, <laughs> and, or if I have to go to, my record label job. So, um, when I was, when I was writing sorrow, I would usually like write until about 11 AM and then go to the office, um, and then come home and write a little bit more, um, at the end of the day. So I was, I was pretty worn out, um, while I was writing that book. Cause it was the first book I ever wrote where I also had a, another job at the time. And that was quite a, quite a struggle to learn how to balance those things. But, um, but yeah, just getting up early and doing it. <laughs> I'm going to have to start getting up earlier. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a, definitely a morning person. So um, I do my best work, I would say, between the hours of like 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. Um, but I know some writers who really can't write until like 10 p.m. And I'm just like, oh, God, that sounds <laughs> awful. <laughs> Weirdly, I'm not very much a morning person, but I do find I write better in the mornings, maybe not quite as early as, as you're doing it, but around like eight o'clock. Does coffee help noon. you? Do you, do you drink coffee? Oh, I drink coffee. Yeah. Because I think like for me, um, you know, the coffee is really a good fuel for creativity. Def yeah, definitely. Did you find the process for this book to be different from your other books? Um, well, not in the sense of, um, my approach to doing the work, but I do feel like this book kind of flowed in a different way. Like there were just so many magical moments while I was writing it that felt kind of like, um, I don't know, like out of my hands, like supernatural. Um, it, it just, it felt more organic, I guess, is the way I would say it. Um, but otherwise, you know, no, it's, it's always the same thing of just sitting down and, and slogging away at the keyboard. And, you know, some days you write one page and you're super excited. And some days you write a whole chapter and you're super excited. And some days you write two sentences that you have to erase at the end of the day because they're so bad. And so <laughs> that's always just like a roller coaster. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> definitely an ebb and flow. I, I I relate to that a lot. The like days where you get all those pages down, and you're like, oh, this was great. It just like flowed so well. And then yeah, those days where you're just like. I don't know how, I don't remember how words work. <laughs> exactly. Or like the worst one of those to me is like, you're working, you're working, working, and you feel like you've been super productive and you, you wrote like six whole pages and you're so excited. And then the next morning you come back and you start reading those six pages. You're like, oh, this is just, just crap. <laughs> yeah, that is a tough one too. <laughs> oh man. You also teach writing though, right? I do. Well, I, I teach just at one place once a year, okay. which is on um, the Jackson Hole Writers Conference in Jackson, Wyoming, which I've been doing for like, oh gosh, I feel like it's been like 10 or 12 years now, which is so awesome because Jackson, Wyoming is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. So getting to go there once a year is such a gift. Amazing. I feel like there's, is there a lot of like snowboarding there? I feel like back in the day, yes. I remember that. Okay. Yeah. person so I don't go there in the winter but um, in the summer it is just glorious and it's really close to um, Yellowstone National Park so it's just mm. like hiking and everything is just mind-blowingly beautiful sounds like a good place to write <laughs> yes. yes we need to get on this <laughs> um, writing retreat in Jackson yes Oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. (laughs) Any retreat anywhere right now sounds incredible. (laughs) I'm just, I cannot wait to travel. I haven't been on a plane since last March. And my job was like, usually had me on a plane twice a month. So um, I just, I want to go somewhere so bad. Not until I get the vaccine, but soon, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. Uh, I do actually want to quickly ask you about uh, your graphic novel, just oh, because cool. a lot, so many of what I've realized is that a lot of the stuff, and I think it's because like I grew up as a photographer, it was always a visual thing for me, went to film school, that kind of stuff. And so I, I feel like I see things more in my head than I can like get the words out. And I have a few stories that I had started talking with one friend who's an illustrator. And then I was like, oh my God, this makes so much more sense if it was like a little graphic novel. So I'd love <laughs> to just kind of hear about that, how that came about. Well, you know, that was a cool story because I am a huge Jeff Buckley fan. And yeah. my first novel, which is called God Shaped Hole, was actually inspired by his death. Um, I was so, so heartbroken when he died that I literally sat for nine months listening to his album, Grace, which was the only album he made in his lifetime. Um I just sat and listened to Grace and made up this fictional story based on what I heard in the music. And somehow, um, after that novel came out, his mom had gotten a copy of it because I, I dedicated it to him. And, um, and his mom was really moved by it. And she's a really amazing woman. And she lives not too far from me in Northern California, actually. And so when the publishers of the graphic novel decided they wanted to do a graphic novel about Jeff. Um, They went to her to ask for permission, and she actually asked them to get me to write it. Um, And so that, and I, at first I said no, because I didn't read graphic novels, and I just, also terrible at writing nonfiction. I mean, I even make shit up in my journal, um, (laughs) because, you know, it just sounds better. 
Um, so I, I didn't think I could do it justice, but she really, really, um, she convinced me that I should give it a try. And it was such a beautiful and rewarding experience. Um, and I mean, obviously the being able to research Jeff and read his journals and, you know, listen to all his demos and just like learn his life story in a deeper way was really meaningful to me because I was such a big fan of his, but also working um, with the illustrator, it was such a cool experience because I wrote the text first and then I handed it over to him. And of course I had ideas in my head about what it was going to look like, but also of course, um, I could never have imagined what he was going to think it was going to look like. And so when he did his work um, and I finally saw the the end result, which was so different from what I had imagined, but so cool and so beautiful. And I just was like, it was such an inspiring way to kind of like watch creativity happen. It's just like I did my work and he did his work. And then suddenly we had this piece of art that was, half me and half him and all Jeff. And so that was a, a book that I was really, really proud of for that reason. Wow. I'm, I'm going to like distracted because I was just like, so in that story because that's beyond like, that's just like, so how I think about things and I'm just, yeah. all the wheels are turning right now. And I'm just like, Oh my God, <laughs> I'm going to need to start writing things and thinking about stuff. And Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was also another magical experience and just, um, yeah, just it was really special to um to see that come to fruition and um and what it ended up being was so beyond what I could have imagined it being. Okay. Uh you mentioned you were sort of marinating on a new story. Do you feel that you're ready to like step away from sorrow? I know it's been like, you know, you've kind of been finished it for a while now, but like it's only been out for six months. People are still, you know, reading the story. Are you ready to, to let it go? Not really. I, you know, I get really attached to characters when I'm writing them and I get kind of depressed when I'm done, fin when I finish a book, because it's kind of like hanging out with, you know, your closest friends every day and then they just go away and I miss them a lot. So, um, I love that I keep getting to talk about them and, you know, read excerpts from the book and things like that. Um, so I'm not really ready to relinquish it, but, um, I am ready to start writing again. So I'm kind of looking forward to, um, you know, just kind of letting go a little bit so that I can move on. Jen, did you have any other thoughts or questions you wanted to pose? I know you quite enjoyed the novel. Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed the novel. I mean, Thank I think you, you kind of like covered it all. I mean, there's just, I just loved the whole, the whole weaving of all kinds of art mm. into the book, whether it was, you know, visual art or performance art or music or even writing when, you know, Joe is doing a bit of writing um, and the way that they kind of work together. And I think you did such a good job of, weaving it through the whole story oh, and thank you that means a lot like oh <laughs> um yeah and the way that it brought joe and october together i thought was just a really genuine organic relationship between the two of them that was lovely oh thank you i appreciate that so much i really do 
we're welcome. <laughs> it's like, you know, the characters, they, they just, they become part of me. And, you mm-hmm. know, I really, they're close to my heart. And so when other people appreciate them, it's kind of like if they were my kids or something, like you never want anyone to say anything bad about one of your kids. Um, or I imagine I, I only have dogs, but <laughs> I, I defend my dogs too, you know? Um, and so I just, yeah, that, that warms my heart. So thank you. Um, and I mean, we always like to ask people, um, if you have a book that you yes. would recommend, mm. um, you know, I have some, I have so many favorite books, but the one that just came into my head right now is a book called Shantaram by Gregory David Roberts. Have you ever read that one? I haven't read it, but I have heard of it. It's really incredible. It's like one of those books that he just articulates these like things about being a human that you have felt a million times, but you didn't know how to put into words. And then he just puts it into words that hit you so hard. Um, it's a giant book. It's like a thousand pages. And I remember I had read a, um, a review of it and it came in, I ordered it and came in the mail and I was like, Oh man, this is, I'm never going to read this. I just wasted $25. (laughs) And then I read the opening paragraph and I was in tears. It's like my favorite opening paragraph of any book I've ever read. Um, and so I, I, I always recommend that if you've got time to spare because it is a commitment, but it's such a beautiful story. Amazing. I think my mom has that on her bookshelf at home. I might have to steal it from her. Yes, do it. Do it. You won't regret it. Well, um, and since since you also love music, and that's another one of your yeah, passions, I have to sure. ask also if you have an album that you would recommend other than the Jeff Buckley one, because I feel like we've already talked <laughs> Yeah, about. well, I mean, if, you're, if you really want to get into... Um, you know, the sorrow theme, I would say High Violet or Trouble Will Find Me by The National because um, I listened to those records a lot while I was writing this book and I feel like there's a lot of, of those songs in the in the story. Um, yeah, so those are both two excellent that, albums. <laughs> yes, both excellent albums. <laughs> yes, and we will link to all of that in the show notes so everyone can also Absolutely. read and listen along. It has been an absolute like capital letter delight speaking with you i oh thank you just like need to get a pen and paper and start thinking and processing and (laughs) (laughs) and writing oh my goodness um as always um oh wait where can people find you what's your i am on instagram under my name tiffany debartolo and um, I am, I'm on Facebook, but I'm never on Facebook. So that's not the best way to find me, but you can DM me on Instagram and I always answer. Um, and I also have a website, tiffanydebarlow.com. Um, but yeah, Instagram is the best, fastest way to find me. Love that. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so and I have really cute dogs that I post about all the time. So if you like giant oh, scruffy dogs. <laughs> go to my Instagram page. I love giant scruffy dogs. I have two Irish wolfhounds. Oh my goodness. So it's so funny that you have two Irish wolfhounds and wrote one into sorrow because the manuscript that I'm working on right now, I also have given this family an Irish wolfhound. Yes. Oh my god. His name is Hector. They are the best. My my dogs are like everything to me. They're They're the most magical creatures. 
They're just so giant and beautiful. I remember meeting one once on the the streetcar when I was going to work, and she was just so lovely. Her name was Maggie. <laughs> oh, my my oldest one is, um, he's 180 pounds and seven feet tall on his hind legs. He's bigger he's than me. <laughs> oh yeah, he's huge, but he's the sweetest, gentlest soul in the whole world, and that's why I put him in the book. <laughs> Now I have to go look up your dogs. Yes, please do. <laughs> uh, but yes, it has been just wonderful. And the book that you are marinating on, please, when that is ready to go, you know where to find us. Yes, we want to be the first episode. We want to be the first people to read it. We are already excited. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Well, please keep in touch with me. And if you ever get to the Bay Area, I will take you to see the Redwoods. Oh, that would be Done. amazing. <laughs> you know. uh, we'll be back in two weeks. As always, we're going to be talking about the new Jedediah Jenkins book. And you know where to find us on all the places at another book pod or another book podcast. And we'll see you then. Bye.